Support for Market Foolery comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com. It's Wednesday, January 4th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio today for Million Dollar Portfolio and Explorer, the newest Motley Fool service. Simon Erickson, thanks for being here. I am glad to be here. Happy New Year, Chris. Happy New Year, and hap- I think I think happy anniversary to Market Foolery because I think January fourth, twenty eleven was the first day. That's that's how bad my memory is. I don't remember the exact day. I know it was early January. I, I, it was that first week in twenty eleven. So this is this could be our sixth birthday, or maybe it's tomorrow. I don't know. Sometime this week. Which, Happy anniversary! We're turning six. Uh, we got a bunch of things to get to, uh, including the Consumer Elect- uh, Electronic Show, which is uh, kicking off today out in Las Vegas. But let's start with uh, a little bit of news, and we'll start with auto sales. Which I, I said this to you earlier today. I'm I'm surprised by this, that the sales numbers that came in for December across the board. Ford, Nissan, General Motors, across the board, automakers beating expectations in terms of sales. And 2016 turned into the seventh year in a row of sales increases, which, you know, that's amazing. But 2015 was such a big year for auto sales. I would not have been on this, and I would have been wrong. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's 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 a lot higher than a lot of people were expecting. But then again, it's the auto industry, right? This is a cyclical industry, and we kind of get used to the forecasts um, looking continually, gradually up and going to the right. But it doesn't really happen that way, right? Then you have a recession hit in two thousand nine. Um, U.S. light vehicle sales dropped more than almost fifty percent, down to about ten million units sold. Um, so even though the forecast kind of looks smooth and gradual, and we've had it several years of looking smooth and gradual. We're also in a period of very low unemployment. We're in a period of very low interest rates. So there's a lot of disposable income out there and cheap financing. So you would actually kind of, I think, expect strong auto sales. I would say it's stronger than a lot of people were expecting. But at some point, Chris, I have to think that we're going to see another one of those dips at some point in the near future. Don't you think at least part of what we're seeing here in certainly the second half of 2016 is the Relatively low price of gas because, you know, a long time ago I gave up trying to predict where the price of oil was going (laughs) and 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 therefore the price of gas. But that has to contribute, particularly when you see uh, the truck sales. Yeah, absolutely. But but again, you know, we it's it's hard to make too much of a trend. I think out of this, everything looks good. We've got the perfect storm of everything for great auto sales. I wouldn't. Forecast that to continue too too far into the future. If I was betting on the industry, let's move on to retail and Recode with a pretty interesting story today about Amazon getting into the workout apparel business very quietly. So quietly that I, as someone who is a longtime shareholder of Amazon and frequent shopper on Amazon was largely unaware that they'd already moved into the apparel space, selling, for example, button-down dress shirts and, and that sort of thing. That is a more fractured market, and I would argue a uh, an 
easier market to go up against from a competitive standpoint. Now, if they're going after workout clothing, if they're going after active wear, now you're talking Nike, you're talking Under Armour, Lululemon is in the mix there. I'm not betting against Jeff Bezos and his team, but this seems like a tougher space for them to go after. Well, Chris, if they're selling yoga pants, I really just hope they're not stretching themselves too thin. Oh. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of competition in this in this space. You have to assume that you we're, we're starting to get a little too saturated. I think out there, the the ones that you mentioned. I mean, Lululemon, you know, Nike, Kate Hudson's got a line now. Gap has got an Athleta line. I mean, everyone kind of wants to get in this space. Amazon has got a lot of data on what everyone is buying, and almost. Certainly, there's a trend that they've seen of athletic wear and athleisure wear um, being a good trend that they want to get in on. And also interesting is that Amazon is expected this year to pass Macy's as the number one apparel seller in the United States this year. They're huge. They are the seller of apparel now, so they're continuing this trend of being the top dog. And I think that they've, they've bubbled up. I mean, this is a $44 billion market for athletic wear in the U.S. It's very lucrative. But on the other hand, if you're Amazon, I mean, I, I don't know. I still feel like this is outside of their circle of competence. They could be spending their time elsewhere. Maybe it's lucrative. Maybe it's attractive from a margin perspective. But I would like to see Amazon doing other things other than, than selling yoga pants and athletic wear. So, Jason and Taylor and I yesterday were talking about the balancing act that restaurants have to navigate, and and apparel retailers as well, in terms of how much choice do you offer your customers, and at what point does the amount of choice that you offer a customer begin to hinder your throughput, or in the case of apparel retailers, your inventory control. I see this story with Amazon, and I a different balancing act comes to mind, and that is, how do you navigate the relationships that you have with some very powerful brands in Nike, Under Armour, and Lululemon? Three companies, by the way, which, as we have talked about them, certainly over the past year, and in some cases even beyond that, those three companies have done a very effective job of growing their own e-commerce operations. This seems like one of those things where, Amazon can nibble at this space a little bit, but it's not hard for me to imagine somewhere down the line, if just to pick Nike, for example, if Nike just decides, you know what, we've built out our own e-commerce operations, we're, we're, we're going to go this our own way. And the only way people, people can find Nike through a mobile app, through a website, and, and we don't, I don't know, I, this, just, this, this is one of the things that I think makes it tougher for Amazon. Yeah, like you said, how much customization do your customers really want? In the first one, I mean, you and I were talking about In-N-Out Burger before the show here, right? Yes, Four which, I, items. Which, which I still have not been to. Oh my God, Chris, we've got to bring you to In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> Four items on the menu: there's a hamburger, cheeseburger, double hamburger, double cheeseburger. You don't really need ultimate customization for for things that are simple like that. If you're doing tech software, yeah, you probably do have a really knowledgeable customer base wants a, a lot of customization. And then you've got apparel, which is you know something that Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, is saying there is a huge opportunity for invention in. Uh, that can confuses me a little bit. You know, to me, it's still a, not a whole lot of differentiation between athletic apparel. But he certainly sees something that I'm not seeing right now. 
And uh, you know if Jeff Bezos is going into something, he's going to innovate that. He's going to bring something new to what's already available. I just go back to your question of how much customization do you really need for this? Well, and that's what's interesting about that quote from Bezos, that that he uses the word invention as opposed to innovate. Right. I wouldn't give it a second thought if he was uh, if the word was innovation there. But the fact that, I mean, it has me curious, and it does. And and as you said, this is this is a pretty tried and true space. This is not Bezos saying as he did in the middle of 2016. We've got a thousand people working on the Amazon Echo and and everything that goes with it. So, out in CES right now, you've got Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank that's going to be talking this week about you know bringing um, kind of melding tech and apparel, which he spent what was it seven hundred million dollars in acquisitions for. So there's how's that working? Maybe there's invention in the apparel space. It's just a question of how much people really care about this. Hold that thought on CES. Got to say a word about Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Uh, when it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with someone you can trust and who has your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. So don't waste time searching through pack, uh, stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely shape your financial information to get a mortgage approved in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that the mortgage solution is right for you. So, whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. So, skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com/fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLS consumeraccess.org number 3030. CES. David Kressman's out there now. Presumably, he's staying out of trouble. Uh, you mentioned Kevin Plank. He's one of the key CEOs that uh, David mentioned he's most interested to see. You're watching CES from afar. What are you going to be watching? Um, the, the angle that I'm really interested in for CES is actually the company NVIDIA. Um, their CEO and co-founder, Jensen Huang, is, is probably giving the keynote right now. Um, Considering the time difference, I'm sorry to be keeping you from it. (laughs) Yeah, they're out in Vegas right now. Uh, I'd also uh, like to point out, Nvidia was a stock that was up 225 percent last year. I was just going to say, Nvidia, one of the best performing stocks of 2016. And I'd also like to humbly point out that on your Motley Fool Money radio show in in March, this was a company I called out as a as a stock on my radar, and I'd humbly like to mention uh, over 200 (laughs) percent since then too. You don't have to be humble. Take a victory lap, man. (laughs) But the reason this is so interesting to me is is Nvidia has made a business about uh, around the gaming industry, right? They made graphics processors that did processing first that would spit out images on a screen for video games. What's so interesting is now the world has shifted 180 degrees, where now they're looking around and making sense of images and then going back and doing processing that does something from those, which, which is what is being referred to as deep learning, a subset of artificial intelligence. But because NVIDIA has got the expertise from decades of building these graphics processing units, they are really the front runner in deep learning. And no one else can do what NVIDIA is doing right now. And they're starting to build these applications for deep learning, which includes, um, right now, autonomous cars. You want a car that sees a stop sign, recognizes the stop sign, and actually stops. Or facial recognition is another opportunity. Recognize a face, Facebook can tag that because it knows it's Chris Hill in this picture. Or robotics. I mean, we're already starting to see um, 
home assistants that you know can respond to what they see around the home or recognizing defects for quality assurance in manufacturing. So the applications for deep learning are really starting to take off. I consider NVIDIA to be far and beyond the front runner in this space, and it's going to get very interesting in the next couple of years. Connected cars is something that David and I had talked about. It's interesting to see how the Consumer Electronics Show has expanded, particularly, I would say, over the last decade, to be where you look at the automotive industry having a much bigger presence than it's. I mean, I mean, you don't have to go that far back to find virtually no automotive presence whatsoever. And now you've got CES this week. Next week, the North American uh, Automotive Trade Show sure. starts in Detroit, and obviously they'll they'll have a big presence there. But you've got Mark Fields from Ford Motor is making a speech at CES this week. I mean, there there are some people saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we're going to be in Detroit." But really, the big announcements that we have, well, we're going to be rolling some of those out in Las Vegas at CES. Yeah, and I I would say that the uh, the trajectory of innovation of this space is happening incredibly quickly, and it's actually going to be the topic of, of next month's Explore Mission for for February. We're going to look at the uh, the race to autonomous cars. Pun intended. Of course. Of course. And, <laughs> but I mean, this is something that's that's catching on a lot faster than a lot of industry experts expected, especially when you've got a guy like Elon Musk out there just kind of um, driving the innovation in this space so quickly. It's going to be very interesting. Uh, I, I asked this of uh, Jason and Taylor yesterday. I'll ask you uh, as we wrap up. When you think about 2017 and the year ahead of us in terms of investing, what is one thought that you have for this new year? It can be a, a company, it can be a question that you have, it can be advice for investors. Just one thought for 2017. Well, I guess there's one specific trend that's kind of got my interest right now. I don't think a, a whole lot of people are looking at it yet, and that is the the concept of preventative healthcare. Um, this is also referred to as connected healthcare or telehealthcare, but it's the whole idea of, of basically. So many hospitals are just overcrowded right now. You have too many people coming through, and a lot of it is for non-critical things, um, a, a physical, a checkup, something that um, isn't, isn't life-endangering at, at the moment. But a lot of those, those conditions um, can be monitored remotely. You, know, you can take uh, an inexpensive sensor and just continually be monitoring a, a heart rate or blood sugar content or even things like you know, blood, blood pressure as the next evolution of this. And I think that this has got some great benefits that will come from it. One, the hospitals will be less crowded. It'll save a lot of money. Uh, hospitals uh, will always take the opportunity to save operating costs. But more importantly, it'll allow for monitoring um, conditions that are getting out of whack. It will allow a doctor to see a patient all the time and say, okay, hey, your blood pressure is getting too high. We need you to come in and take a look at this. And so it's more proactive or preventative rather than, than, hey, I've had a stroke or I've had a heart attack and now we need to fix this. Um, so I think it's very interesting. You know, and we, we kind of talk about it in terms of analysts. Um, Fitbit had a really rough year last year, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> a lot of analysts are really bearish on Fitbit right now, but I think that you've seen them working with Medtronic to get sensors to incorporate for, for diabetics for blood sugar monitoring. And I think that we're going to see wearable technology look a lot more like medical device wearable technology in the coming year. And this doesn't take a whole lot of data. This is not a huge burden 
to beam this up into the cloud and continually monitor it. And I think that this is a huge win if you can get those devices um, to, be, to be paid for or subsidized by the insurers who have less out-of-pocket costs because of what they're preventing in the first place. Well, particularly if it's the sort of thing that you you use on a check-in basis. You don't, you know, it's not. I'm wearing this thing all the time, and if I'm not wearing it, then my data is flawed or whatever. But if it's just sort of a device that you have in your house, and it's just you know once a week you check in, and I don't know that yeah. that that is a lot more attractive to me than wear this thing around your wrist all the time. Yeah, sure. And I, the future of healthcare, in my mind, no doubt, is going to be going from just straight reimbursements for for medical uh, procedures that are done. To more of focusing on outcomes and keeping people healthy and keeping them out of the ER of ha- or having something serious happen to them, and I think this is definitely one of the enablers of that future. You know, it's going to go too far though if you start interfering with you know on a preventative basis. You're preventing what I eat. Oh goodness! It's like oh you know all of a sudden the you know the the device in the corner is like you know <laughs> close the fridge, put the wine back, and I was like no, I, I'm having another glass. That's going too far. Way too far. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.